0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 75, and the quote of the day is from James Brown, who said, I want to say to you, help yourself so you can help someone else. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals, information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And if you want to learn how to effectively market yourself to get more followers, more exposure, and more gigs, then check out my free webinar, Marketing for the Modern Musician, and I'll teach you how to get your online presence up to a professional level to help you get those gigs, help you get more exposure, and help you get more followers. And you can learn more at drummersresource.com forward slash register. The interview that I have today, I'm really, really, really excited about. I have Robert Mousy Thompson, who has played with James Brown, Wilson Pickett, Rufus Thomas, and a slew of other people. He did some work with the Black Eyed Peas. And the reason that I'm really excited about this is I am a very, very, very big James Brown fan. James Brown is probably one of my favorite artists, if not my favorite artist, and to have Mousy on here is, is amazing for me because I can talk to him about drums and funk drumming, which I love, and also talk about James Brown. And, and Mousy played with James Brown from um, the last 13 years of, of James's life. So this is a really great interview, and, and Mousy is just a super cool guy and, and understands the funk, which I love, and uh, I learned a lot from him in this interview. So we're going to dive right into it, Mr. Robert Mousy Thompson. Robert, thanks so much for doing this, man. Welcome to the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, man, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It took us a little while to get it all get it all lined up, but I appreciate you doing this. I'm taking you away from your from your Sunday football, and I feel bad. So don't
1: ask me who my team is. We will just keep it moving. I well, well,
0: that's that's going to be the next question. <laughs> so, who's your team?
1: Red Washington.
0: Okay, the Redskins. I wasn't sure because I'm I'm an Eagles fan, so. So, uh, All right, uh, but I w- cause, um, you could go either way. I mean, you could be a Ravens fan. You could be you well. Know, you, but we
1: have I have two teams, you know, between the two, but Washington, definitely.
0: There you go. So you're originally from? Are you originally from the D.C. area?
1: Southeast, born and bred, man. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> so I always, I always like to get the backstory of of how people got into drumming, and and we're talking a little bit about you being from D.C. So how did you get into playing?
1: You know it's ironic to me because uh, I started out as a vocalist. I was in a group, mm-hmm. had a big band, man, horns and the whole nine yards. And believe it or not, we were doing a lot of James Brown stuff. And I was a dancer. You know, I loved dancing, doing James Brown. Right. And during that time, as a kid, you know I'm, you know, I'm growing up, you know, just singing and blah blah blah. Right now I'm getting the antics and the, the understanding the hits. From the drummer when he went down to do his splits and everything Mm -hmm. with James Brown, went to do his splits. So, the drummer that I had during that time, you know, he wasn't giving me, you know, what I was looking for when I go hit the splits. (laughs) So, I just hopped behind the drum kit and I just started playing and I knew exactly what I wanted to hear. And from that point on, I think I was about 11 years old, 9 or 11, somewhere between there. And I started just playing drums.
0: Hmm. And, so wait, 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 wait so you had this band? Were you guys out performing and and doing all that stuff? Or were you Were you just doing it for yeah, fun? Yeah,
1: I was working with like the uh, park service band. You know, it was uh, it was you know, you know, at that time, you know, they asked me to come up and perform with. I didn't know what I was doing. I just loved <laughs> the stage, you know,
2: right, right, for
1: you know. But these guys are building the show up around what I'm doing. You know, I'm doing a little James Brown. I, I may have done about three numbers or something with them, right. But it was a big hit, you know they looked for me to you know I did a couple of t v shows and <laughs> <laughs> nice. I just looked at stage. I didn't care about the cameras in it at at the time, you know
0: right, right, so you get behind the kit at you know between your nine ten eleven somewhere yeah. around there, and what it just oh, did it just come
1: naturally? Did. It just all natural man, and you know i I wanted of those drummers to play open handed on mm-hmm. the right, I do know that, kid. yeah so and um. It, it was just ironic, and, and then wound up later on working with the guy who got me totally involved in music, and that was James Brown.
0: Right, and we're going to get into that because I definitely want to talk about that because I'm a huge James Brown fan. Um, so once you started playing drums, what was, what was the way that you were practicing? Were you just playing along with records, or were you, you know, did, you, did you get into more formal training, or was it just all natural ability?
1: more or less uh, listening to what I heard, you know, taking Mm -hmm. that dive at, you know, trying to play a particular song. One of my favorite uh, songs was uh, Shop Talk by a group called Cold Blood,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and uh, it was a song called Sisyphus, and I wanted to learn that thing so bad, man, and to this day, I still love that song.
0: I'm I'm writing this down because I'm going to check it out right after the interview.
1: Uh huh, and of course you know it was the James Brown songs, Cold Sweat, and mm-hmm. uh, you know during that era of 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 music and Sly Stone, and you know so those are the guys that I was listening. I was listening to all these kind of drummers, Billy Cobham, and and at that you know in the seventies we had everything.
2: <laughs> right, I,
1: right, the whole music bag was just emptied out. And you could go in any corner, man, and hear a a variety of music, and they just accept it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and nowadays you know we're just so almost programmed to listen to what you know to okay. some certain things but now you know i mean i I love it all, but that's the beauty of it, you know so and i didn't have any training because in my in high school my teacher didn't want me to play open-handed, so he refused to teach me. <laughs> <laughs> and I played match grip, so he, he wanted me to play conventional grip, and right. I'm like, you know, this doesn't feel right to me. And I was, you know, something about, my, I guess my spirit back then was real strong, and just as adamant as, his, as he was, you know. So he refused to teach me, and I just went stronger at my craft, you know,
2: to yeah.
1: where it got me gigs with you know, Peaches and Herb, Wilson Pickett, James Brown. So, so whatever I was doing wrong, I, I thank God for you know keep me for keeping you on, on that path. His eyes, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's a it's a long journey from going from being you know 10, 11 years old, just sitting behind the drum set, to playing with these people like Peaches and Herb and Wilson Pickett and James Brown. So. Walk us down that road a little bit. Tell us what that what that journey was like and how you got to that point.
1: Well, you know, like I said, once I got into playing the drum kit, unfortunately, we started this group called Third Stone from the Sun. You know, everybody knows that song from mm-hmm. the Jim Hendrix album. So uh, we had a group Third Stone from the Sun. We played Funkadelic, uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Alice Cooper. And we were, you know, we're in this urban black neighborhood, you know, and everybody looking at us like, what is going on? <laughs> but we came with everything. You know, like I told you, that music bag in the 70s was so beautiful, man. It wasn't about color or anything. Right. It was all about music. And everybody who played music or if the music was coming out, people were coming out. And uh, I started working with uh, that group. That was my, one of my first groups of drumming then I got introduced into working behind a singing group which was Skip Mahoney and the Casuals
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that was another lesson learned you know the things that they wanted uh, you know in their music like accents you know when they throw their little hands up in the air a little slide you know of having to open the high
2: right. and
1: show this as they were performing you know so all of those things taught me how to play you know these mm-hmm. groups and people that I listened to. I mean, and more or less, like you said, it was more me hearing the music. You know, I'm more or less, those were my teachers, everything I heard.
0: Sure. (laughs) Now, were all the bands at that time, and I don't want to say all the bands, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of the bands were doing the same deal in terms of like, choreographing the drums with the dancing and, and, you know, throwing their hands up and all that stuff. Um, so I guess it's a two-part question. One was that what most of the guys were doing it, and two, were most of the guys doing it because that's they were getting it from James Brown and guys like that.
1: Well, no, that was just a part of that music. You know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about Temptations, and you know, I guess it was always a melting pot of listening to everybody at that time. Right. Know? So I can't say it came from any one particular person, even though James Brown did create that funk.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he did.
1: But everything else is just uh you know, it was just uh, okay, well let's let's do do it this way and do it that way. It was I don't I don't even call it well I guess I don't know with Motown, uh soul music. Mhm. You know.
0: That's all my favorite stuff too, man. That's... Yeah,
1: you know, I was just you know, my radio, what my radio was tuned into. I was I listened to Tony Bennett, you know. Mhm of my household my mom you know what they would listen to frank sinatra you know mm-hmm. old train you know you know no telling what was going on in my house you know
2: right right right
1: so as, as a little sponge i just soak it up and whatever comes out of my drumming came from all of that you know
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so now so you're I, playing you're playing in these uh in these bands um and playing with some some different singers and and things and then so where's the journey go from there
1: Oh, from that journey, it led me into uh, that touring world, you know, where I started touring. I started recording. That was one of the acts, uh, Skip Mahoney and the Casuals. I, I kind of recorded with them. That was like my first introduction into to recording a record, which locally was a big record.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and what
1: when was that? That was like in 70... Five I guess seventies somewhere somewhere around seventies oh,
0: okay,
1: and um, from that point on, it led me on to working with other groups and just moved on, you know, and then from that group, I would say into peaches and herb, you know, because now I'm working locally, working with groups that was that would be in town with Nita drummer, I was working with Rufus Thomas. Kyla Thomas, I uh, uh, worked with uh, Benny King, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes. <laughs>
2: nice. So,
1: from one extreme to the other, and even today, I'm working with uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter from the Doobie Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, Barry Goodrow, and uh, and Leroy Romans from the, uh, I mean, Leroy, I mean, Barry and Franny from the group Boston. Right. Roy from the group The Whalers. And Jeff Skunk Baxter from everybody. You know? Yeah, he's
0: been with everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. So we have a group called the American Vinyl All Star Band. So, and that's all rock and roll, incorporated with a little of the Whalers, a little James Brown, and everything that they've done. Nice. From Boston to what, you know, to uh, Doobie Brothers, the Steely Dan. And Danny Bysell from uh, the group Foster Child out of Philadelphia. Hmm. So he's doing all vocals. So it's 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 a great group, and we have Charlie Colleen. So and and it grows from the group Train, and he's he's a, he's with the group as well.
0: Oh wow! So you guys got some some heavy hitters in that band.
1: Yeah. So I mean, if I'm not there, we have Carmen Apathy coming out to play. You nice. know, a, a Slim Jim from the uh, Stray Cats. Mm-hmm. And we, and we do a lot of things with, you know, great causes, you know, charity events, you know, like for Wounded Warriors and, and things like that. That's
2: awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, so it's funny how the music world can just take you into so many other different genres like what we're talking about. So it started me from, you know, with the singing group into, well, not really, but my first group with the rock and roll with the, the multi-blend right there. You know, my first drumming gig was hmm. like I said, we played rock and roll, funkadelic, James Brown. And then into those singing groups, Peaches and Herb, and on and on and on. Right.
0: So um this you know, it's funny that you say that about how about how, you know, one thing leads to the next and one thing leads to the next. 'Cause because I think a lot of people get frustrated with with how long they think the journey has to be like if they're at point a right now and they want to play with people at the at the level of you know guys like James Brown and Wilson Pickett and Rufus Thomas and all these guys you know if they now they're looking at these artists that they want to play with that are that are out of the you know that are so far away it seems and they think the journey's so long so a lot of times they never even embark on that journey because they think they can't get there. So what's your advice for the people that are that are trying to do what you do and and you know do the touring work and the recording work and get these gigs?
1: Well, my thing on that is I mean I thank God he gave me the opportunity to to see the world two two and three times over, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm still doing it. So whether it be big or small, you know, it doesn't matter. As long as there's someone out there to enjoy the music, for I don't care if it's or half an hour to an hour for whatever whatever it is. That time that you get behind your acts, man, enjoy it. You know, because it's a moment for someone else. It's and the moment for us to see that someone else happy.
0: Agreed. I agree with that. Totally. So we were talk, we're talking about, you know, getting bigger gigs and, and playing with bigger name acts. So how did the how did the James Brown gig come about?
1: Well, that was through a guy that worked with me with a group. I had a group here called Finesse in the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, we had, uh, in that group, uh, one, he was the guitarist who uh, worked with uh, Prince, uh, Mike Scott, Reverend Mike Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, well, Larry Friday, he was the guy who found me. You know, he called me up and said, hey, man, you, are you interested in working with James Brown? <laughs> and I'm like, well, of course. And mean, right. Merrick managed the group for Nest. So, you know, at that time, and we had dissipated. You know, it's another one of those groups that you're in. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you go as far as you go and you go to the next thing. You know, you never can call your own shots. It's always, you know, you're only led.
2: <laughs> right, right.
1: You know, it depends <laughs> on how you look at it. Mine, mine is, you know, definitely through the creator. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, I got that call from from Friday, Hey, man, you interested in working with James Brown. I'm like, yeah, why not, you know? Of
0: course, yeah. <laughs> Who
1: wouldn't be, you know? Right, right. So, yeah, I got the call, and I went down to Augusta, and uh, I went down there totally wrong because, uh, you know, Mr. Brown wanted people in, you know, slack shoes and tie, you know, just like you're going to work, you know?
2: Right, right.
1: So I'm going down there with baseball cap, backwards, jeans, sneakers, everything that he was up against, you know, he didn't like, right? right. So I go to change, change back into, uh, you, know, you know, to some clothes that I thought would be all right for this rehearsal. Then I stuck on some shorts, you know. The band gave me, you know, no, man, you got to go back and put some clothes on. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I got there and... Once I'm getting there, I'm thinking I'm just getting. I'm the only cat that's going to be here, right? You know, I get there, There's drum kits everywhere, you know. there' audi- you know, people coming in to the audition. I'm like, whoa! But fortunately enough, before I got there, I kind of did some research on Brown, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: to, to some of those signature things that he was doing, like you know, right, those kind of things, and uh, so by the time I got there make a long story short, you know, we're auditioning all the drummers, you know, everybody's going around, 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 you know, playing certain songs. You know, once he got back to me, had me sit still. He said, hey, son, just sit sit here. And he looked out to everybody else, thanked everybody else for coming. He said, uh, then he turned to me, held his hand out and said, welcome to the family, son. (laughs) Nice. And from that time on, I was up with him until the time he passed in 2006.
0: So how long were you playing with him?
1: I was actually there with him for about 13 years. Hmm. When he got out of prison for the last time. I
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
1: You know, and uh, from that time on, he, he was steadily climbing, man, from that point on.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually, now that, now that you mentioned that, um, that you were playing with him up until he passed... Then I would have seen you. I saw you guys at uh, Bonnaroo. Yes, sir. Yeah, great so, time. So that was so you were, you played that gig. Oh yeah, that it's was a great. It. It's a great concert, man. I was pretty oh, far man. away, but but uh, but I caught it. So it's first first and last time I ever saw James Brown live. So.
1: Oh yeah, man, that was a great time, man. We were always moving. It. You know a lot of times I would like to stay for performances of people that were there with us right we we miss a lot of that you know that's the other thing about being a musician man. you miss a lot, but you catch a lot
2: you mm-hmm.
0: know? that's what i would say i always I always miss other bands because I'm usually playing you know
1: exactly you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what was what was uh, the relationship like with him were were you were you guys close or was it more of you dealt with everybody in the band and he, he would just come up he would just show up for the gigs and the rehearsals?
1: Well you'd get all of that answer. You know, he'd make, he was like you said, Welcome to the family and mm-hmm. it went on, you know. I would get calls in the middle of the night, Hey son, how you doing? You know? What you doing? I, it's five o'clock in the morning. I'm sleep. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell James Brown, I'm asleep. I'm like, Hey, I'm I'm up. What's going on? Right, right. <laughs> You know, so uh, we would talk, and he would always, you know, go back to the the show, you know. what you think about the show? Now i got to sit up and think about which show he's talking about. Right. So we've only done like 100 million of them since I've been here. <laughs> so you've done 102,000 million before I got here. <laughs> right.
0: So what show are you talking about? Yeah,
1: exactly. So what show are you talking about? You don't want to jump the gun. Because you never knew what, you know, you never, never wanted him to think that you knew what, exactly what he was talking about. So, mm-hmm. But uh, what we would talk about the show, just little things, touch bases, you know. And he would call, you know, he's just like a family member. After a while, it was like, hey, man, I'm just hooking up with my family, going out to eat, play some music, hit the gig, hit the road, you know.
0: Right. Well, and the reason why I specifically asked about it is because there's, I always hear you know he's always depicted it in a couple of different ways i mean some people depicted him as you know this really really outgoing nice person other people depicted him as being just like a you know just a really tough guy to work for and and kind of you know self-centered and and then other people portray him as being this this genius and which he is you know but that was but saying that that's the only way that he can be so everything else to him is secondary to his vision and, and his his genius.
1: But see, and all of that, and what you said, that's all of it. And if you got tough skin to be able to deal with someone like that, because that role doesn't come easy, you know, so, he has to be that way, you know, and controlling almost in a sense, you know. And you have mm-hmm. your, I mean, I, I would have my limit, but when Brown did what he was doing, you know, you would listen. Right. <laughs> He right. Goes, okay, let me try to give him what he wants, you know, because if you didn't give it what what he wants, you're out of there. Yeah. It was just that simple, you know.
0: Right. Didn't he find people on stage? Like, if they made him.
1: Oh, a... I caught the last part of that when I came in, but it, it gradually kind of grew away, you know. But yeah, he would.
0: There'd be like a guy standing on the corner with like a clipboard, like writing it down. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, because. Uh, and, but he would remember. Because <laughs> now you know it's like uh, you know after we do a gig you know he might get called in. Uh, bench one, bench one, come on up in here. <laughs> and that would be <laughs> Roosevelt, R.J. You know, right? The so R.J. would come into the dressing rooms. Okay, Mister Mouser, he want to see you in the room. So I could might come in the room. He might say you had no foot today. So not knowing that that the monitor that he may have had had no um. Right. I broke his pedals, you know. brought them back to him, he, he, and I had no foot, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, you know, little things like that. As you got into, you know, knowing him, and he'd call it sabotage, you know. Right. But he, he would almost make you mad, you know, because while we performing, he said you got nothing, you know.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Well, I got two drummers. I can't make one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, those are the kind of things. Thanks for the vote of confidence. You know, you almost want to, you know, curse him out. You know, and he's saying these things without a curse word. Right. So you know, but it only built you up. You know, made you better than you know you wanted to, to satisfy this man.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That was the whole key. You know, because you knew how what he was about. I knew was what he was about yeah. from his earlier time. You know, just watching him. I'm like, and that was the whole key. You had to w- always watch him because he may go into, you know, he might be singing, Try me, and then ba 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 Right. Boom, bing, boom. You know, go right into another song.
0: <laughs> sure. And if you miss it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you got to now, at being in the position that I'm in, I got to think tempos for him. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got just that little, that little extra wind-up. He might want it a little faster, he might want it a little slower, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, he take you on those little journeys, but you know, and, and that's what was exciting to me. I look forward to that kind of challenge, you know.
0: Sure, sure. So now, did you get a chance to see Get On Up?
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah, Good what, movie. What do you movie. think? I think it was very. It was a great movie.
0: Yeah, I know oh, that yeah. People, some people that played with him had mixed reviews of it. So some people loved it. Some people didn't like it so much. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, and that's what, once again, that's Brown. Right. <laughs> it's going to leave you like that, you right. know. <laughs> but you, you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to have mixed reviews about it. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, it, it, it leaves more room for other stories to be told, and that's what I tell everyone, you know. I mean, it was done quickly, and it's a biopic more so than uh, just a picture of Brown, you know. When right. You could come out with all the nice things, you could come out with all the bad things. But we gotta realize that man created a lot of great music, you
0: know. Yes he did. He's a genius. He's one of one of, if not my favorite artists ever.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: So So now speaking of the music that he created, it has a definitive sound, especially the funk stuff. And I think a lot of people have a hard time really wrapping their brain around it and playing like they they think they're playing it but they're not really playing it and they're not and it's not grooving hard. So, what's your what's your take on that and what's your advice for for people who really, you know, for people who really want to get that groove?
1: Well, I would just say pocket, you know. What I mean by pocket, just sit back and just for 5 minutes just <clears throat> Just stay there. Whatever your groove might be. It might not even be that. You know, whatever your groove might be, just practice your groove for as long as you want your groove to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the that's advice I can give you.
0: <laughs> right. But was it, you know, like playing with somebody like James Brown, you're playing, like if you listen to Sex Machine, like the recording of Sex Machine, it's amazing. I mean, the band doesn't move for f- five minutes. Oh, yeah, and it's it's like it's amazing how how entertaining and how funky it can still be, five minutes in, and nobody's done anything different than they did from the first note, you know oh. and, and it's just still going, it's still going it's still going, and so um does that did it take or not did it take, but was it hard for you to to have that restraint to play that way, or is that just always how you play?
1: No, that's pretty much how I like playing, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Nothing fancy, nothing, not nothing fancy, but nothing flashy. Yeah,
1: you know, the funk is always just a little gladness, a little glad that, but you want to stay right there in that pocket because you want to see those people moving. You want to see that head, damn near, come off the neck, right. you know. <laughs> you want that rock, yeah, man. That's
0: like my brother sent me some funk the other day. And he was like, before you listen to this, he was like, you might want to put on a back brace first.
1: That's right. I said, he is under- that funky? He's he <laughs> yeah, a that man funky. that understands. <laughs>
0: right. He said, you might want to put a back brace on.
1: He's a man that understands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give him my best. I love it. I, mean, I had to funk out with him one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, man. We're close, too, man. We're uh, Well, he's outside of the Philadelphia area, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you guys are ever... Uh, Coming up through Philly, man. I definitely, or I, and I'm in New York, so either way, man. We gotta we gotta catch up when when we're in the oh, same definitely. locale. Oh, definitely.
1: Whenever I'm in the area, I definitely gonna buzz you
0: up, man. That that is a plan. So, so all right. So I want to hear. All right, I I love funk. I have a, a huge funk collection. But for people out there that need to find some new funk, who do you suggest outside of James Brown? Oh man. I know the list is long, but I just want some I want some Woo-hoo, golden gems.
1: Nowadays, I mean, you talking about today or I don't I don't today. care. I'll take
0: any funk any time. So
1: but Like I said, one group with I mean, I loved and admired was Cold Blood. Mhm. I mean, and that was like I say the earlier days like the Sisyphus album. Uh who else? uh well of course the Headhunters and that you know, was Herbie Hancock Herbie Hancock. Yeah uh Mike Clark those guys and uh who else uh man so you know those that's one of those questions that now everything is like
2: right
1: <laughs> my road Rolodex is going crazy <laughs> well my computer to go on tilt man because it was so much music back then you know mm-hmm.
0: I just wanted some golden gems that you're like, man, you should check these guys out because, you know, a lot of people have never, like, What for me, when people are like, oh, what, you know, give me some funk stuff. I'm like, all right, outside of James Brown, I'll give them, like, you know, Dyke and the Blazers or something like that that nobody's. There you go, yes.
1: You know, well, you know I mean, see, once you trigger it, is on and moving. Yeah. Right,
0: right. But I want to hear it from you. I want to hear your golden gems. I want to hear the ones that you're like, man, you got to check out a couple of, the, like, you got to check out one or two of these bands.
1: Oh well, d- definitely soul live, man. I like soul live. Too. Yeah,
0: I do like soul live too. And, and lettuce.
1: And lettuce, exactly. I had the privilege of uh, working with my man, the guitarist. Oh, Eric Krasno. Yes. Yeah. A bad man, man. We worked with uh, Christian McBride, and uh, I had the privilege of having Clyde Stubberfield on my left and Jabbo Stocks on my right. Christian McBride, he was the musical director. We had D'Angelo singing.
2: Oh, man. Uh,
1: Angelique Cujo, uh, Allo Black. And, matter of fact, uh, Mr. Bozeman, the guy who played James Brown, He was. Uh, it was all for the movie, Get On oh, Up. Oh, really? Yeah, we had Fred Wesley, Pee Wee Ellis, and uh, we did nothing but Brown songs. This was at the Hollywood Bowl.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, man, so it really was, it was really nice, man. They had Clyde and Jabbo right there, man, at the same time. Uh, that's George, two guys I, that
0: I want to try to get on here, too.
1: Oh, definitely. I I, we, we have, I have to give you a number so you can talk to them.
0: That would be beyond excellent.
1: <laughs> oh, man, definitely. Those are two of the greats. I mean, because if it had not been for them, I would not have be, been in the seat that I was in. I got to give them the props, you know. Right,
0: because I'm yeah. guessing that you were like, you probably copped a lot of their licks when you were
2: younger.
1: Well, I had to play it, you know, with right. Brown. You no, know, if I didn't play it as a kid, I had to know it by the time I got there.
2: Right, right. And
1: uh, which you know, he revised a little bit of those things. You know, a lot of those things, and he, which gave me a signature with Brown. You know, mm-hmm. he liked everything fast, man. I was like, Lord, at mercy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's funny, man. You listen to some of those, some of those later recordings of him. It's like everything is up. Everything oh, is yeah. real fast,
1: yeah, man, and, and you know, and I when I got there, you know, I'm thinking, oh, he we come get ready to place some some of that old pocket, you know, man, he turned me around totally kind <laughs> of the, i like I said, I, I had to know it because it might be a time where he said, I'm going back,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then, you know I had to go right there mm-hmm. He might want it dragged like that. Right. But then when you used to play you know, so you had to. So now would he the, do that
0: differently like night to night?
1: Oh, you 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 would have to have a, you know, yeah, exactly. And on the drummers, you'd have to just almost fill them out. Hmm.
0: That's you know, crazy. Because it, it's like yeah. one thing when if you're playing it all at the same tempo on one tour, and then the next time he's like, all right, let's try. But like night to night, where you're playing it different. And I'm guessing that, you know, the, even even at an up tempo or a, if it's a slow tempo, he probably manipulates the feel inside of the tempos too.
1: Oh, no doubt. He would try to hit you, give you to hit something. Right. It's like a little accent or something. You're uh, like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, <you have> <laughs> figure it out real quick. Right. It, it, you know, it's like, man, this man is incredible. Yeah. And, and he's things, still
0: dancing and singing and entertaining everybody, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Point to, you know, what he's hearing in the band. You know, by this point, you know, he's a musical director. You know, he's not dancing that much, but he's hearing what he wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and uh, he'll go out and dance a little bit. But, you know, but he didn't have to do that too much, you know.
2: Right, right, right. It's amazing. But he would. He
1: would put yeah. his all in it, you know. At, you know, I man, when I first got there, I thought it was going to last almost three years. You know, and I'm like, hold it, wait a minute. It's 13 years later. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the longest band I'd ever, you know, played in. And know? that's
0: a good one to have a long residency in, too.
1: Exactly, you, you know? know. I thank God for that opportunity with him, man. It was, you know, I met a lot of people, and it's getting me to meet a lot of, lot more people. And that's how music is. That's what, You just have to follow its journey, man, you know. You never can tell where it may lead. You know, I started out in the funk band, but here I am playing a lot of rock and roll, too, which I started playing in my first band. Right. So I'm doing everything. I mean, even to the gospel, I play some gospel music as well.
0: And, you know, a couple things. One, if you're playing all these different styles, then it gives you more employable skills that people hire you for, but also playing with all these other bands open other doors to lead to other bands, to lead to other bands, just like you said about how you got connected with James Brown. And as a result of that, got connected with these other people, you know, and, and I'm sure that that opened a lot of doors for you as well.
1: Exactly. And if you're not the leader of your own band, I would always say, Hey man, you know, you have a, you have as much as, you know, certain, I mean, in music, there is is very temperamental mm-hmm. but you have to understand the temperament of the artist that you work for you, you know what I mean sure some of them are really strange and outgoing or or some some kind of out out of <laughs> out of the norm you know you, you have to be able to deal with a, a lot of different kind of things like that mm-hmm. you know and uh especially if you Appreciate their art, and you say, Well, I can get them to you know get past that stage of things, you know, and always understand, you know, it's not about how you feel all the time when you're working for somebody else until but until you get your own band and you can do what you want to do,
2: right?
0: Right, then you can call the shots <laughs> and have all the headaches,
1: right? So that you know that plays a lot of part in my plan, you know, just to be able to accept somebody else's art and work with it and try to make them as happy as I can, you know. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And so, now, with with people that you see out playing now, what are what are some things that you that you see uh, that kind of, I don't want to say rub you the wrong way, but things that you, you're kind of like, oh, man, it, it wasn't like this before, like the way that people are playing?
1: Well, it's just like my ear now. I, I look at it, and I'm saying, hey, man, these drummers today are off the chain. Yeah, I'm a pocket drummer. Like I said, I go back. I, I, that was that was my f- cut off line. I hear a lot of these drummers now with chops. Even the girls, I mean, with chops for days.
2: Yep.
1: And I take it in because y- you're the future, you know. And music mm-hmm. is only one stem to a bigger stem to a larger stem. It's, it a root only lasts as long as it, you know. As you're nourishing it, and I want to see more flowers come from these roots. I'm only part of the root. Right. So I see people have done from what I started playing, and they've taken it on further. You know, younger kids like that, that I knew since they were like three, and here they are like blooming and going. You know, mm-hmm. because I watched. Then I look at that and I say, Well, damn, those are big ears. That these drummers have big ears out here nowadays. I mean, you. Back in my day, the drum machine was just coming out.
2: <laughs> right.
1: So drummers now are hearing tempos fast. I mean, sick. I mean, uh, times all d- different times. Left hand doing one time, bass drum doing another time, right hand doing another one, and your, your hi hat is doing something else. <laughs> I love it.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I love it. Because that's how the world is made up, and it's all about numbers. So, you know, I'm learning. It's I'll never stop learning.
2: Media. I was learning.
1: I, I learned when I started playing to this point now. And I take on the young kids today to let them say, hey, man, show what you got. I push them. I definitely push them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and, you know, be you. But understand what I was saying about the temperament of the artist that you work for understand and control your ability of what you may have that got you there to say hey okay now i gotta tame what i have to play what they want right you know what i'm saying
0: Mm -hmm. now do you think that a lot of the people now that are concentrating on all these chops are sacrificing groove and feel and and musicality
1: you know, I hear a lot of musicality in what they're doing. Like I say, they can understand the discipline part of it. Mm-hmm. When things, it's a beautiful thing. Right. I mean, shedding is one thing. I, I mean, I could sit back and i take two hours, three hours to listen to it, but you got to realize who you're going out there, what, what your market is going to be. Is it just for drummers only or is it for an audience of dance or is it, you know, is it listen or is it jazz? Is it, I don't want to classify music, but you know, it's whatever it's for. Right. Right.
2: You
0: know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. No, I agree. And think, you know, think the playing, everyone's playing is completely different than it was 30 years ago. And the stuff that, for me personally, I'm not one of those guys that wants to play seven different things at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. But I totally respect it because I can't play that kind of stuff, and I can't hear it like that. I'm more like you, where I'm like, I'll, I just want to sit in the pocket and play. But, yeah. But I to- it, it totally blows my mind to see some of these people play, man. It's just, it's insane. Oh, and I'm
1: going to tell you, I'll go back home, and I may try, and I'm like, nah, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, I can't do that.
0: That's what yeah. happens, man. I get on YouTube, and then I'm like, man, I got to really, oh, I got to go work on this this thing, and then yeah. I do it for about two minutes, and I'm like, I'm not an athlete like that
1: i like, yeah, I can't it, do this. Stuff. And, and those are the other in, enjoyable things that, I mean, myself, you know, now uh, grasping, but as a kid as, with a sponge attitude, you know, you got YouTube where you can sit back and just make. I mean, we got drummers every on every block now. Right, right. <laughs> so I didn't have that back then. You know, it was like, okay, you got to go for this gig, get this gig. But now you turn around, man. I mean, it's just almost a natural ability that these kids have nowadays playing play an instrument. Mm-hmm. And not only one instrument, but two and three.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had I had one of my students, and he was a drummer, and then next thing you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to start playing bass, and then he started playing guitar, then he started playing piano. Then he's coming in with whole tunes that he's writing, and recording, and producing, and all this stuff, and he's like 15 years old.
1: And they're good. And they're good, and they're great. <laughs> yeah. They're great songs. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. There's no way, man. I mean, I the future tomorrow, I'll have no clue what music would be like. But I know the future from yesterday will always keep, keep. It, they're going to keep it around. Right, right, right. So that's the beauty about music, man. hmm Go back to from when it started. <laughs> yep. And all the way to where, because it, you know, it'll never end. I don't think it'll ever end.
0: That's the beauty of it. I love it. hmm so speaking of the future, what's uh, what's the future looking like for you? What's on tap, and what are you what are you working on, and and, and what are you trying to uh, to do in the future?
1: Well, I got a, I got a little thing I'm doing now. I have a little James Brown Experience band, mm-hmm. and I don't know if anyone. Uh, this is Mousy Thompson in the James Brown Experience. I got a couple of new cats, working with Whitman, man, from the D.C. area. Anybody in the Bethesda area? <laughs> do a little plug is that all right? absolutely
0: man absolutely
1: November 28th uh, it's Black Friday right in Bethesda Blues and Jazz in Bethesda Maryland Uh, we're doing a James Brown experience there 8 o'clock
0: you know I play with a guy that lives um, how he's in he's on the eastern shore of Maryland so that's uh, is that close to you
1: oh not far at all man from eastern Maryland I guess it's probably about 40-minute drive.
0: Okay, yeah, I think he's in, like, he's in, like, the Denton kind of area, like, Greensboro area. He's, he's originally from Philly, but he moved down there uh, years ago.
1: Might be about an hour drive. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah, he's on the other side. I am in yeah. northern. Yeah. That's northern part, like, Rockville, Bethesda, Maryland.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's funny that you mentioned... Well, hold on. Let's go back to this gig. Black Friday, it's in Bethesda, Maryland, and where is it?
1: It's at the uh, Bethesda Blues and Jazz.
0: Okay. And what I'll do is every every interview that I do gets a show notes page and the listeners know that. And so I'll just have I'll have all of this information on the show notes page. So if anybody wants to check out the concert, they can go on there and the links will be there and they can check out more information. And hey, also, yeah. so you mentioned your uh the Rockville area and I interviewed Chris Coolis from OAR, who's from from the Rockville area as well.
1: Oh, cool, man.
0: <laughs> and I think he said that you may, you may know his brother or his uh, his father or something like that.
1: Yeah, worship Chucks.
0: Uh, I don't know. That's all I know.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> that's all I know.
0: But I do. I was talking to Chris from OAR, and he was saying that. Uh, and I told him that I was going to be interviewing you, and he said, "Oh, that's great." He said, "I think that he and my father know each other." So.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> small world oh yeah yeah music, I'm telling you, man, music have you meeting everybody
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so you got the show coming up on the twentieth you have um twenty eight or twenty eighth I'm sorry, I don't know where I got the twentieth from mm-hmm. um so and you have that's with your band, so are, is that the main focus right now, just sticking with that band
1: well i'm doing I'm doing that with the with american vinyl all star band you know, so mm-hmm. we we get spotted you know spot dates here and there, right, and um uh, I'm working anybody calls, you know. Right, right. So, you know, I just love playing, man, and you know, doing a lot of recording stuff, you know. It's
0: awesome. I like it, man.
1: That was the other thing with Brown. You know, he got me into, you know, working you know, to see him collaborate with, uh, with the Black Eyed Peas. You know, I was on that pro- project with them.
0: I was going to ask you if you recorded with... I knew that you did some work with Black Eyed Keys. I didn't know if you recorded with James, too,
1: or... Or just yeah, on it, was, project. it was that one particular track, man, you know, and it, it was its funny, you know, you go in there and start playing, and the cat tell you, okay, I got you, you come on out now. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm in there just adjusting drums, you know, <laughs> trying to get the groove, and, you know, I played every bit of four minutes, and James gets, you can come out now, sir, you can come out. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? They That's got all they you. needed. That's all they needed. I was like, Lord have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> I could
0: just, I could just hear James' breath. All right, come on, you're done. Uh, we'll, you're done. We're good.
1: <laughs> yeah. The next day, I know this I'm sitting in the studio waiting on them to finish what they're gonna do to a track. We just started, you know.
0: Right. So what? What was the name of that tune?
1: They don't want music.
0: They don't want music.
1: Yeah. All they want is boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, here we go, right, cuz I'm going to link to that as well. So I want to so to make sure that uh that people can check that out as well. So do you teach privately as well? Do you teach lessons?
1: Every now and then I have someone ask me, "Hey, can you teach my?" And I, you know, it's something that I more or less love giving away, you know, because I can only tell them what I know as far as me playing. Right. I can sit down and say, "Hey, watch this." Because I don't want to take anything from what one has naturally. Sure. And I know teaching can be a little frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't want to, you know, you want to show the people the frustration at the same time, but I don't want the frustration of, okay, let me, no, you're not. And I'm one of those kind of cats. I know I would probably get frustrated.
0: Right. It's it's hard, man. And you know, the funny thing is I, I teach very, a very few select kids. I mean, I have, not kids. I mean, they're older. Um, and, I never had the the real affinity for teaching lessons because I get frustrated easily and I think that you really have to be a good teacher to to really enjoy teaching lessons and a lot of musicians teach as a secondary way of making money and I feel like a lot of them don't really want to be teaching lessons but they just yeah. do it because it's a way of making money. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think that you got to be somebody that really loves to teach and says, "No, I'm I'm a a master educator, and that's what I love to do." And Mm -hmm. you know, rather than just saying, "Well, I don't have any gigs this week or next week, so maybe I should pick up some lessons."
1: Yeah, no, I can't do it. I can't do it because I I mean, I and I've had people, you know, and I say, "Look, when I show them the introduction into playing drums, you know, because I don't read." Mm
2: -hmm. I
1: said that would be a one step. if the student or the kid or whoever you was teaching, you know, knew how to read, that would always be a plus.
0: Sure.
1: But uh, at the same time, you know, it's just getting them to see things, certain things. Like I said, I'm going to have fun with them, you Mm -hmm. know. I'm going to come in just sit down. We're going to have some fun. It's not me criticizing what you're doing. Right. You know, watch what I do. You can take it or leave it.
2: Right, right, right. (laughs)
1: And, you that's how I, I kind of operate,
2: you know. All right, so
0: everybody call Mousy for free drum lessons if you're in the – no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> People
0: are going to be banging down your door, man. Hey,
2: man.
0: <laughs> well, listen, Mousy, this was uh, a great time chatting with you today. I really I really appreciate you taking all this time to, to talk. I'm taking you away from your football, and I feel horrible hey. about that. Um, but I do
1: hey, – Oh, you're talking about music, man. You know anything about that? I got you know that's the sacrifices that you, we make.
0: Right, right.
1: If you want things to happen, you got to make those sacrifices.
0: I like it. That is a that is the perfect quote to to end the interview. That's awesome. If you want things to happen, you got to make it happen. You know.
1: That's right.
0: Well. I'm going to let you get back to your football, but I just want to say sincerely thank you so much for, for taking all this time to chat. It was really an honor to, to talk music with you and to hear your stories about James Brown, and, and I'm going to put all of your information on the, on the website so that people can check out your band, check out the tracks that you've played on, and hopefully come see you in Bethesda, Maryland.
1: I appreciate you, Nick, man, and all you do for the music of the future and of today, my brother.
2: Well,
0: thank God you, man. That, you. that means a lot. God bless you, too, and I will be in touch. All right, take care. All right, see you. So there you have it, the one and only Robert Mousy Thompson. Such an amazing guy, and I'm so glad I got to got to connect with him. Be sure, if you're in the Bethesda, Maryland area, check out his show on November 28th. And all of the information is at drummersresource.com forward slash session 75. I'll put all the links on there, all the tunes that he was talking about, his work with Black IPs, and a link to that show in Bethesda, Maryland. So you can check that out if you want to. And also, if you're looking to market yourself effectively to get more exposure, more followers, and more gigs, check out my free webinar, Marketing for the Modern Musician. And I teach them all the time. They're 100% free, and you can learn more information about those webinars at drummersresource.com forward slash register. Check me out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash drummersresource, on Instagram at drummersresource, and on Twitter at drummersr source. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.